listener production. <laughs> I don't know if you can make throat clearing sound grand, but I just did it. Take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. She hath risen. She's back. Yes, yeah. who's back? Back again. I'm turning back for good. Rosie's back. All right. I'm trying to think of all back songs. Um, my neck, my back. No, that's not right. <laughs> Hooray! Hello, you. She's out of the nut house. <laughs> hey, crazy Jokes. lady. We're allowed to laugh. We're allowed to laugh. We are. I'm just pouring this champagne. Yeah, Jacob's focusing really. Oh, which um, don't tell anyone because we're in the studio <gasps> and you're not allowed drinks in here. I think we've already we've broken established that, rule that every we are time an exception. Yeah. <laughs> We've never not had <laughs> drinks in here. <laughs> oh. Cheers, Cheers, baby cakes. Welcome Yay. home. Thank you. So good to have you in Sydney. Oh. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm mm. good. I'm feeling good. So I um, got out of hospital more than a week ago, actually, but I mm. wanted to ease back in. So, um, I mean, because last time I was an inpatient, I did um, Q&A three days after I got mm. out of hospital, <laughs> which for those of you who don't know is probably Australia's most high-pressure panel news show to be on. Mm. Um, you have to, like, study and it's stressful and um, I did that last time. And so this time I was like, let's try something a little different where I don't put too much pressure on myself. Mm, make it a gradual process. Yeah, gradual. So I got out, yeah, over a week ago and I decided um, I would prioritise getting my lashes, brows, hair, and nails done. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of what I did. I look fabulous. Um, and then I, once that was done, um, sorry to my family, I waited for that to be done. <laughs> and then once that was done, I flew from Melbourne to Sydney to see my sisters and the kitties. Mm-hmm. And um, then next on the list was you. Me. So I dashed back down from Queensland. So, of course, I could see you. but first. Botox at Rhiannon's. <laughs> Jacob and I, when was the last time we saw each other? Uh, May. May. And our long lost loving reunion today was um, sitting in the Botox chair at my sister Rhiannon Cosmetic Nurses Salon mm-hmm. getting Botox together. No place I would have rather been. <laughs> that was the first place I set foot in Sydney. And then he was so excited. He left to go get a, to go get a drink and someone asked him for ID. Yes. So he thinks it's oh, working. Yes, I have been floating ever since then. She really is. She's a wizard. And she's she's moved her um, clinic salon to uh, this beautiful new place in Cogra. Mm. Um, so if you want any of your, you know, beep beeps, bloop bloops in the face, mm-hmm. she's really good. And just get in touch with her on Insta. She's Rhiannon.cosmetic nurse. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And Jacob says she's good and he's an expert. Yes, I am. She was worried because um, obviously Sydney, like she hasn't been back doing it for very long because during lockdown she went and did um, vaccinations and COVID tests and stuff. Um, and so she had to order in a whole bunch of new of the stuff that mm. gets injected into the face. And she was saying to me this morning, look, Jacob needs <laughs> a, a, 
a lot <laughs> and I didn't have much left over, so we might not have enough left for you today. We'll do, Jacob, and then you can have what's left over <laughs> in the vial or whatever. I don't know how it works. But then when we got there, her new delivery had come today. And thank goodness. So because you needed it. <laughs> I took a photo of the amount of needles she had to fill up to the brim and it was ridiculous because I'd predicted it was going to be quadruple what you had. I think it ended up being was like it? six times the I don't amount. even know what I get. I just I just trust her. I don't even know where or what, like I just go just do what you do. Yeah, you just don't need as much heavy lifting as, as I do. And you are, of course, gloriously brown right now. <sighs> Thank you. And your hair has gone blonde from the sun in a way that I just paid a lot of money to make mine go that colour. Mm. <laughs> but at a great place. Oh, name dropping again. Um, Hoopla Salon in Melbourne was so lovely. They fit me in because, like, everything, as soon as lockdown got announced it was over, everything just booked out. Like, bow, 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 bow. So, yeah, I went to this place called Hoopla, who are fans of ours. Oh, good. So I told them all you say hi, mm-hmm. and they did my hair really beautiful. What suburb? Um, it's in Brunswick. Uh-huh. And this isn't sponsored. I paid. Like, mm-hmm. I paid. But um, it was just really great. And then I got my lashes done by this. Okay, so I put out a thing saying, can people recommend to me good lash place and good hair place in Melbourne? Probably more people than anyone recommended this woman called The Raven Queen on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And she does amazing lashes. And she did my lashes just like, mwah, chef's kiss, mwah, chef's kiss, mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> Again, I paid. I love it. Mm-hmm. So good. So those are my two recos. Well, the only places I've been in Melbourne. But they came highly recommended and I'm very pleased with them. I can tell you feel like yourself again. Oh, my God, I really do. You look sensational. The dress and, of course, the uh, necklace. Oh, my my vagina necklace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love it. Did you um design that yourself? No. Or? So Taddy Divine makes this. I mean, technically it's a vulva necklace for mm-hmm. people who get funny. Or good. It's not vagina. It's a vulva. Like, okay, fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's a vulva necklace made of, like, little acrylic. And it's funny because it's got, like, little diamonds on it and there's this big diamond right where the clit would be. <laughs> and it's just, like, as a sensory thing, I always absentmindedly, like, rub it. <laughs> flick it. <laughs> yeah, flick it. <laughs> the funniest was Caleb because Caleb, you know, he's very, like, uppity. And um, he was he was looking at I wore it, like, the first night we went out to dinner and I was like, so do you like it? And he looks at me and he goes, it's a bit vulgar. And I said, oh, are you saying vaginas are vulgar? And he said, no, not at all. But look, I wouldn't wear a dick around my neck, would I? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, fair enough. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. I've um, given her a name. What is it? Vagina Rhinestone. <laughs> Vagina Rhinestone. I love it. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh. Perfect. Vagina. It's, I'm rubbing it right ah. now. I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop. Just like when you're a um, kid. Yeah, but I'm feeling good. That's I'm good. feeling much better. I mean, it was, um, I won't go into it all now, but when we eventually set up a Patreon, which we've been promising forever, mm-hmm. I don't know, we'll probably talk more about my myriad health issues mm-hmm. then. Is that how you use the word myriad? I always use that word very confidently and I've almost certainly never used it correctly. Well, confidence is key yeah. and I, I think you made it. Because I'm pretty sure you don't say of. You don't say my myriad of collective thing. You say my myriad thing. Yeah. Right? I think so. 
Oh, God, we both learnt this at university. <laughs> we studied writing <laughs> at university. And mm. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I had trouble finding a good place to go in Melbourne for inpatient care. Like I just had a, a, a pretty severe kind of flare-up of my PTSD and it was hard finding somewhere good down there. I'm not mm. going to lie. And even the place I ended up wasn't the best. Mm. But by that point I was just like I need to be somewhere and this place is less shit than the other places, so mm-hmm. I will stay. Mm-hmm. And I was also doing this new thing that I haven't tried before called TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, and they had it there and it was all set up. So I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll just stay here. Yep. I'm not going to mention any names because, you know. Mm-hmm. If you are thinking of going to a place and you don't want to go to a shit one, privately message me and I'll <laughs> tell you which mm-hmm. to avoid. But I was shocked at how difficult it was, yeah. to, you know, because I know that my mental health is something that um, I can be feeling fine for one, two, three years and then something will happen. And so I always have to be prepared. So I pay a pretty exorbitant amount mm. in health insurance fees, private health insurance fees, to make sure that I'm covered for private inpatient mental health care if I ever need it. Mm. And um, I was shocked at the lack of options mm. for me in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. It's very different to Sydney where I found a place a few years ago when I needed it um, very quickly and it was excellent and had, had a great program. It was n- nice facilities. Um, I, I hadn't realised that I'd lucked out. Mm. I thought that was just the standard, but that was not the standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a bit shocking. But... I'm feeling good. That's so good. You know, because it was almost, how long have I been gone? Almost five weeks. Eight weeks. What? No, I haven't. Yeah, I did seven weeks without you. I've lost time. And there was a, <laughs> we skipped a week. Have yeah, I really? It's been two weeks. Oh, my God. Uh, two months, yeah. Yeah, I was gone a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had med changes. I tried the TMS. I, you do, it's a whole, a holistic approach mm-hmm. to sort of pulling yourself out of, where you are, and I'm back on track, feeling so good. good. So good to have you back feeling and so good. good to know that it has paid off. I just did an outfit of the day selfie in the bathroom, so nature is healing. <laughs> Things are getting back to normal. We're in we the studio. I love it. Again. Um, yeah, it's awesome. And you, I have to say, did a great job holding down the fort, I think, because I didn't listen. To <laughs> <laughs> I um, no, only because I was, I made a point to mm. not do any work. Yeah. So I was, and I am, when it comes to this podcast, um, specific about what I want <laughs> <laughs> in my creative direction. And um, I just knew I would backseat drive. Mm. I knew I would listen to it. And it would have been fine. It was, I'm sh- fine. But I would have been like, oh, I need to fix that or that needed a tweak or blah, 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 and I would have just worked. Mm. So I didn't listen so I wouldn't work, not that I would have needed to. But I was looking at everybody's responses and they were all saying you were doing so amazing. And I just appreciate <laughs> that you. you just did it at all. It was really good of you to talk to no one. Yeah, that was the weirdest months. thing. <laughs> so weird and Lindsay having to edit that, having the patience with me, just mm. getting so frustrated at myself because it was so weird just talking to my computer screen mm. instead of talking to a person. So, yes, I'm relieved to have you back, but I'm mostly excited. I'm literally fizzing inside. I know. Mm. Well, we got Botoxed and we've just had a sip of wine and so I think that means... 
ray, x-ray, read all about it, a breaking news, do, 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 do. it's coming down the wire. Oh, we're good. back, yay, <laughs> that felt really good. Okay, I made a little list while I was in the spa. Mm-hmm. Okay, this was my absolute favourite bit of news that I read while in the spa, and I don't think I've ever related to anything more in my entire life. Uh-huh. That a hiker was lost in the woods for more than 24 hours <laughs> mm-hmm. and his phone went dead while rescuers were trying to call him. Mm-hmm. Rescuers were calling him, mm-hmm. but he didn't answer because he didn't recognize the number. <laughs> 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 they found him eventually. But it would have been much sooner. Did he know he was lost? Yes, he was lost and he was hoping rescuers would find him, but he wouldn't answer an unknown number, <laughs> which neither would I. <laughs> that could be a debt collector. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what I still owe Centrelink from 10 years ago when I was a student. <laughs> Once you say hello, they're in. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So... I do not answer numbers I don't recognise ever. Oh, no. Goodness me, no. It's weird. Caleb does. Because he's a journalist, He it could be a source. It could be someone wanting to call him with a story. Or so. He answers every call he gets, which mm. and he just does it with such ease. Mm. It's, I'm in awe of it. It is one of the most insidious things when you, like, sign up for a tr- free trial for mm. something or, like, one time I booked myself in for a free trial at a gym and then immediately once they had my phone number, I was obviously put onto some sort of registry and I would end up getting like 16 calls per day. So, yeah, I can relate to him no, just going decline, decline, decline. But it's even, it's just I don't like talking on the phone. Mm. Even my voicemail says I'm not good on the phone. I probably won't listen to this. Send me a text or send me an email. Mm-hmm. Like I'm 35 and I still get Rhiannon to make phone calls for me to places. <laughs> and we have the exact same voice, so it's mm. really easy for her to pretend to be me. She mm-hmm. does it all the time. Mm. So how did he let them know he was lost? He called someone, texted Jacob, someone. Do I need okay. to remind you? Sorry. The name of our show <laughs> is Just the Gist. And I saw the headline and thought it was funny and put it in my notes app six weeks ago. I have no more details <laughs> for you. Okay? okay, let's move on. Oh, oh, this is something that um, my, like, massive um, big-time crush, who I would marry in a heartbeat, Dr. Mm. Matt Agnew, Astro Bacci, mm-hmm. put on his Instagram. It must have been ages ago because I've seriously lost all track of time while I've been in the spa. But he puts cool sciencey facts on his Instagram all the time. Mm-hmm. Did you know that sharks have been on Earth longer than trees? Whoa. Whoa. What? Oh. I know. And it must be true because Dr. Matt Agnew posted it and he's a doctor. He wouldn't lead us astray. Of things. Wow. I know. Isn't that a cool dinner party fact? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I knew they were old, but. They're old. Oof. Yeah, and then there's that one super old one that we've talked about before, that 500-year-old female shark mm. who just looks like she's 500 years old. Yeah. She's bloody had it. She's done. She's bloody cool. had it. Um, but, yeah, they've been on Earth longer than trees. Wow. I know. Um, okay, next up. So you know how um, AI, artificial intelligence, has been quite a talking point recently because they're saying that um, soon they're going to overtake us in mm-hmm. intelligence and they'll be able to make choices and we'll end up like Terminator 2 and they'll take over, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. 
So they're getting AI to try lots of different things, particularly writing things. Like I know even Caleb was telling me they tried getting a bot to um, take over some part of the newsroom and it just was a disaster. So Mm -hmm. it's like they're trying but they're not quite there yet. Uh And so recently they got a bot to write an obituary and I want (laughs) to read it to you, okay? (laughs) Listen to this. Brenda Tent, Mm -hmm. retired from living at the age of old, (laughs) surrounded by family and natural causes, a librarian from birth. (laughs) Brenda was an avid collector of dust. (laughs) She had a sweetheart and married her high school. She loved having hobbies and helping her sons to be disadvantaged youths. (laughs) She had no horses but thought she did. (laughs) The church gave her a choir because she sang like bird and looked like Bird, and Brenda was a bird. <laughs> Jacob's crying. He's lost it. I haven't seen you lose like this since Segway. <laughs> okay, it's nearly over. It's nearly over. <laughs> she owed us so many poems. The funeral <laughs> will be held in 1977 at Heaven. <laughs> in lieu of flowers... Send Brenda more life. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> so I'm not sure we're handing obituary duty over to the bots just yet. Not immediately. <laughs> Although I kind of wish they would. I know. <laughs> it's so much like... um. That episode of The Simpsons with the monkeys writing the novel, it was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> <laughs> like they can do the words, but. Mm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my stomach hurts. I Did feel you like cramped that? up. <laughs> I've been saying, do you know how much I wanted to send you that this whole time? But I've been saving it. For this and for you, Jisners. That oh. was for you. <laughs> she enjoyed helping her sons be disadvantaged. Oh. <laughs> in lieu of flowers, send Brenda more, more life. life. Her funeral will be held in 1977 <laughs> at heaven. heaven. <laughs> no, at heaven. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm she was an avid collector of dust. <laughs> <laughs> A librarian from birth. <laughs> I'd love to know what they fed into that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if it's a prank. Like it just was going around like on Reddit threads and stuff Mm. saying a bot wrote this, but (laughs) it probably is real. I don't know. I'm choosing to believe. Mm. Oh, that was great. Some things are funner to just believe they are true. And, okay, quickly, before we end breaking news, we need to talk about something that you told me while we were getting Botox this morning at my sister's salon, Nurse on Instagram. Um... So Travis Scott has that festival, what's it called, Astroworld, mm-hmm. which we've all read about in the news this week. It's awful. The crowd, sur- there was a massive crowd surge, uh, stampede. 
Um, eight people died, the youngest of whom was 14. It's this awful tragedy and he seems to be to have incited the crowds to into a frenzy and mm. there was like it's coming out now there was like lax safety precautions put in place and um it's looking like some heads are really going to roll especially his but then you told me a piece of news about him this morning that shocked me and that makes me realize it was dodgy tell everyone now well i didn't actually go back and verify this but, oh, but i'd seen it on instagram this is just the gist and that could mean of the truth his promoter is lou taylor yes. who <gasps> is responsible for being the architect for britney spears conservatorship yes and you know she's starting to cop a lot of heat about that now that the conservat- mm-hmm. conservatorship is coming to an end and, and notice the how auditors she did are the finding out stuff homer simpson going back into the hedge mm. as soon as it got too hot with the conservatorship thing but right up until the very last moment she could be milking money from it she was mm. But the screenshot of the article that I'd read said, of course they didn't stop the show. Lou Taylor is the promoter and all she cares about is money. Money, 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 money. Any expense. Yeah. Human lives included. Um, So, yeah, not surprising there. And then she's also very closely connected to the Kardashians Mm. and there have been claims that she was trying to help the Kardashians or Kris Jenner or whoever to put a 5150 hold on Kanye. Psychiatric hold on Kanye, mm. which is just what she did with Britney. To Britney's. Mm-hmm. And that's around the time Kanye was tweeting that he felt like being married to Kim Kardashian was like being in the movie Get Out. Mm. <gasps> yeah. Hot thickens. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> just the gist. Allegedly. We are going to find out a lot more about this Lou Taylor character. She's dodge as F. Mm-hmm. She, like literally... Up until a few months ago, she was demanding that Britney's estate pay all her legal fees that she was saying was something obnoxiously exorbitant, like a million dollars a month. Or, like It was just, and yeah, it was ridiculous. She's a scammer. She's a complete scammer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And shameless. And she's suing all these people for talking about what she's been doing. Yeah. She's trying to silence people, which just makes her look that much more it guilty. Does. So I don't think she's got a lot of time left. And by the way, everyone, we are only... Three days away from Free Britney Day. <gasps> oh, my God. Britney's Free Day. Oh, my God. Oh, and that reminds me we have to talk about one more thing. We've got mm-hmm. to talk about one more thing. So Free Britney Day, that's the court case where they're probably going to dissolve the conservatorship. Mm-hmm. Three days. So when does this come out? Friday. So that will be Monday. Uh, Friday. Saturday. Oh, Friday. Yeah. Oh, three days from right now. Yes. Oh, so the day this comes out. It's yeah. happening right now. Yeah. <gasps> Britney. Oh, mm-hmm. I hope she gets free. Yeah. Oh. Because of the time difference, she's probably not free once oh, you're listening okay. to this. But very soon. I just want her to be free to go to Maui with her sex idiot mm. and they can get married on the sand and drink cocktails with Cher. That's yes. all I want. Yes. I, she doesn't have to perform. I mean, I'd go watch, but she doesn't have to. No. I just want her to chill. People are saying they want her to write a book about her experience. No, girl. No, no, give her some time off. Just let her have some time off with her hunky sex idiot. Mm-hmm. I love it. And her Instagram filters. And her Instagram filters, which I love. Um, okay, uh, so if today is Friday that you're listening to this, on Wednesday, a show comes out on SBS called Surviving on the Breadline, mm. which my dear boyfriend and partner and I was about to say lover, but I'll let you. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, Caleb <laughs> is in a show called Surviving on the Breadline and I've not been allowed to talk about it. He filmed it, um, what was it, February of this year. Yeah. He filmed it. It's a... Uh, Similar to Filthy Rich and Homeless, if anyone watched that, where people like Benjamin Law had to survive as a homeless person with cameras following them for a week. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this premise is, can you survive on what welfare is, so the unemployment benefit, for 10 days? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's starting this Wednesday on SBS. Mm-hmm. And I remember the 10 days that Caleb did it. Um, it was intense filming. Like, oh, I'm probably giving you some secrets here. But, like, they put him, he was in a studio apartment in a pretty notorious building in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um it had no fridge. They were like, you want a fridge? Buy one, sucker. And he's like, I can't. Because I think what he got, I think the unemployment benefit is $40 a day, but then they took out the rent for that apartment. Mm-hmm. So he ended up with something like, it was like $12 a day or something. Mm. Um, and he had cameras would come and knock on his door at about 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. and then they wouldn't leave him until about 10 p.m. And he wasn't really allowed to look at his, like, he had his phone with him, but he wasn't mm-hmm. allowed to look at it or anything. Um, and he just had to, um, you know, it's a TV show. So they put them in situations where, like, he had to, like, try and work various jobs. Mm-hmm. He had to, um, but the part that really affected him the most and that he really appreciated the most out of the whole experience was um, the people he got to meet. So mm-hmm. he spent a couple of nights living with a guy who lives in the Housing Commission flats in Surrey Hills and just learning what his life is like. He met this woman who also lived in those flats um, who he loved. And, you know, he got to just spend literally days living with these people, learning about their lives. This mm-hmm. woman who's a single mother who lives in Glebe with her kids, um, Caleb had to clean her entire house. <laughs> I hope you learned something. Um, and cook them, you know, he had to cook them dinner. And he just, he, Caleb grew up, you know, his family wasn't wealthy by any means, but he grew up really comfortably. Mm-hmm. He grew up with two extremely loving parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, the only sort of even niggling idea he has of of lives that struggle like that is from hearing stories from me and mm-hmm. what my childhood was like and, you know, reading my book and meeting my mother. Um, <laughs> so he he sort of it, um, was an incredibly eye-opening, moving experience for him. Like mm-hmm. I will say when the, there were some nights he called, called me crying. Mm-hmm. Um, it was difficult um, for him. And at the end of the 10 days, he just, he was, he was moved by it. Mm-hmm. He was v- extremely moved by the people he met and, and the things he learned and what he saw. And um, so I really recommend you watch it. I mean, because he's Caleb and he's conservative the way he is, they've mm-hmm. definitely set him up to be the villain in the promos I've mm-hmm. seen. <laughs> There's one particular promo. <laughs> Oh, from years ago when he was on Sky News and he did this soundbite where they were talking about toxic masculinity and he said, oh, well, what about toxic femininity? It's the dumbest thing he's ever said, but it's his job to be provocative. I've told him that's the dumbest thing he's ever said. And anyway, so they've they've built him up as like, can we convince this calloused right-wing conservative columnist Mm. that like, you know, people are human beings. Like they, yeah, too. they've basically set him up to be the villain, um, which he's not. But that sells television. Um, but I, you know, he was really. However, it ends up coming across. I can say that I know for sure he was really mm. moved by the whole experience. Well, I was there the night he got out. Yeah, we went out to dinner, yeah. and I mean, everything that he described made it seem like 
everyone who's got a preconceived idea of Caleb is going to get a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I think so. Because the way that he does end up reacting in the situations they've put him in yeah. um, is very, very, very human and compassionate. And they really tried to push him. Mm. They did because I think they thought he was going to be like the one people would hate watch for. Mm. Um, but look, like I'm dating him for a reason. Mm. <laughs> like So he's... <laughs> He's a he's a very decent, compassionate man, and he's um he's a journalist by trade. That's his job. So he just has an innate curiosity about mm. people and their lives and their stories. So he just um, was excited to when they asked him to do it because for him it would be a way to learn people's stories, mm. and um, he definitely did that. Um, and my, my sisters and I um chased him one day. Right? I was going to say, can we just quickly talk about how <laughs> really you were quickly. tracking him with your phone? So he he wasn't really allowed to be on his phone. He barely had time to be on his phone. Um, but, I mean, technically you don't have phone credit in situations like that, so he, he didn't really use his phone. Mm. But he had it with him just in case, you know, an emergency or whatever. Mm. And so I said to him, I'm from Sydney, so I'll recognise where you are. Can you turn location settings on your phone like so you share your location with me? Mm. Because... He's from Adelaide. He had no clue where he was half the time. But I said, I'll look at the map and I'll know exactly where you are. And so it just made me feel more at ease that I could go and look and Mm -hmm. see where he was. And then I came to Sydney to do my, um, what was I here for? My show? It was too early in the year for your show. Your show was May. Um, I mean, we recorded around that time, but I don't know if there was another impetus. I was was here for something. Were you moving at that time? It doesn't matter. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's boring. That's boring for everyone. I was here for something. And um, and so me and Rihanna and my older sister, we, we were driving one day and we were like, oh, my God, let's go into location settings because it was like his eighth day or his seventh day. He was nearly mm. finished. And I was like, let's follow him like an Uber, like an Uber driver or whatever, like mm. on the map and let's go and chase him down. Mm. And so we looked and we could see he was in Newtown. And I was like, oh, my God, because, like, that's where I lived. Mm. And so I was like, I know exactly where he is. And as we were driving... He suddenly moved away and we were like, oh, no, we lost him. And he kept going and going and he sort of rode like all the way into like Zetland. And so then we started driving towards Zetland. Mm. But then all of a sudden he started going back Mm. to Newtown and we were like, what? And so for like two hours we were driving from Newtown to somewhere else, Newtown to somewhere else, trying to find him. And then he kept going back to Clem's Chicken, which Mm. is like this famous chicken restaurant. So we were like, oh, yes, we can get some chicken while we're there. And we were like, why is he keep going to Clem's? Maybe they're making him work in Clem's. But mm. then we were like, but why would he be leaving Clem's? And mm. then Rihanna went, oh, my God, where Clem's Chicken is in Newtown, isn't that where all the Deliveroo drivers wait? And we were like, <laughs> oh, my God, they're making him do Deliveroo. Mm. And so we went and we parked near Clem's in Newtown. If you're from there, you know exactly where we were. And we just sat there waiting where all the delivery guys wait and then all of a sudden we see this little bike rider with impossible <laughs> posture in a collared shirt, of course. With his pleated car keys. With his pleated car keys. There's no one else on earth that could be. And he's on his little delivery bike. And we were like, it's Kevin. And, so and then he sort of stopped and he was with the whole camera crew, but it didn't look like they were filming. And so we just drove past and went, Kevin. And he like turned around and we were like, ah, like, like. 
And um, yeah, so we chased him one day. And you filmed that and sent it to me it. because he I'll looked so it. shocked and then went, hi, yeah. you need to post it. <laughs> it's just it. the cutest. Because we he did, he was, he'd had a hard week and we hadn't seen each other mm. and he like knew I was in Sydney and he was taking it so seriously. My hotel was right near where he was staying mm. and one night I was like, why don't I just bring you like a big feast because mm. he could, he had to eat, like, I won't even ruin it for you, but he wasn't eating well because he mm. couldn't afford to. Um, and I was like, what if I bring you a big feast? Like, you know, they leave at 10. Like, mm. oh, and he was like, no, don't you dare. I'm doing this probably. And I was like, mm, all right, well, <laughs> I'll be here eating it. Bye. <laughs> I survived it. Not anymore. <laughs> Done my stint. Oh, no, he was telling me in Riyadh and things that he like thought was so shocking. We were like, yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> that was Wednesday. Yeah, um, when we were but yeah, up. no, he he was really moved by the whole experience, and we will post the video of the day we chased him on his delivery bike. <laughs> um, and it starts uh, Wednesday, the seventeenth of November. Same day as Tiger King uh, too. Yes. Oh, and it's the obvious choice. <laughs> um, and it goes for three weeks and follows. Yeah, each of Jenny Leong, Julie Goodwin, and Caleb. Mm-hmm. It's going to be I'm, great. I'm pumped to watch it. Yeah, same. Because knowing that I was talking to him every night, like what was happening, I'm really excited to see how it ends up coming yeah. across. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should get him on talk to him about it. When it's we do the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> and did you already say SBS? SBS, yeah. SBS. Mm. Um, yeah, so it'll be on SBS on the night and then it will be on SBS On Demand. Demand. Mm. Which is a really good streaming service. It is. Yeah. Mm. And so that is... <gasps> Hey, oh my God. And oh, my favorite. I offered to do, well, I, let's be honest, half heartedly offered (laughs) to do this week's episode because I have a really good idea for what I want to do for my first one back. But um, Jacob was like, no, you're easing back in, and I've already prepped one. So um, Jacob's going today. Yes. And I'll just sit back and. Drink one and listen. Have fun. Soak this up. This is a great story and I was so keen to tell it. And I absolutely love that the plot of this story was written by William Shakespeare in the 1500s and then it was recycled to make a Bette Midler movie in Mm -hmm. the 80s. And then it happened in real life. Yes. Totally unpredictably. Um, It's the story of two sets of twins who were separated at birth and then just purely through chance found each other in later life. So you were telling Rhiannon about this this morning because she obviously has the identical twins, Layla mm-hmm. and Lael, who, by the way, are talking, oh. which just, when they're that small and you don't see them for six months, it mm. blows your mind how different they are. Like, they literally say Arnie Rosie and stuff. It's weird. Anyway, so Rhiannon's obviously fascinated with all stuff twins. And mm-hmm. so she asks, so it's when you say twins separated at birth, one twin from one pair and one twin from the other pair got put into the other pair. That's right. And no one clocked they it. They didn't know. So you're going to tell us no that happened. No one had a clue. Yep. I was mm-hmm. saying, I really wanted to be like Rhiannon, that, but Layla and Lael are just like literally identical. Yes. There's no way they, there's a wrong one there. Mm. It'll be interesting to see if they end up participating in any sort of twin studies because they're always looking for volunteers, I've discovered in researching. Well, one's this. definitely the alpha. It's Leo. Mm-hmm. I've been there for the last five days. It's Leo. Mm-hmm. Like, literally to the point where 
Lael is so devious. She'll like have something that Layla really wants because they fight over everything. People say, oh, do they love each other? So no, no, they hate each other. All mm-hmm. they do is fight and they're two years old. So Lael had this helmet, like literally just Ayers scooter helmet mm. that they both decided they really wanted. They're like drunk adults. Toddlers are like drunk adults. <laughs> and so Lael's like, uh, you know, sauntering around because she's got it and Layla's screaming because she wants it. And so then Lael runs outside and Layla follows her, and when she's out there, Layla's like gives it to her, like, "Okay, you can have it now." And Layla's mm. like, "Yay!" And as soon as she takes it, Layla runs inside, locks, shuts the glass door, <laughs> locks it, and then goes over. And me and Rihanna were watching, mm. and she literally gave an eat. Lay- <laughs> Layla's screaming, crying, got the helmet, but now she's looking at, and Layla looks out at her, does an evil smile, and slowly waves. And then she turned around and looked at us, like. <laughs> and me and Rhiannon, like, should have, like, she should have got in trouble, but we were just laughing so much. Mm. And that's literally, like, and that's their dynamic. Mm. Lael is the devious alpha. Okay, they definitely then should start participating in, in studies. some studies because mm. what they're trying to get to the bottom of is they start off in the womb, identical twins. Mm. Identical is the word. To begin with. Yeah. And they've got the same DNA, but then how those genes end up expressing themselves over time mm. is impacted by environment yeah. and relationships and all sorts of different factors. So that's what they're trying to figure out where is the line between nature and nurture. It's definitely yes. a combination of the two. Like the um, episode, the JTG app I did on that documentary, Three Identical Strangers, yes. the mm. triplets who were split apart mm. and they were... Um, genetically identical, but they'd all been raised in different families. So everyone should go back and listen to that episode, by the way. Definitely. That's a fucking mind blower. I did that to prepare oh, for did this. You? Yeah. Obviously, that's a very unethical experiment. Yes. This um, was just someone screwed up. Yeah. This is like so many people on Halloween went as the woman at the um, Tour de France with the sign. Oh, did they? <laughs> go, Grandma, Grandpa, who knocked, who caused like the worst crash in Tour de France history. <laughs> this is like that, but... That, like the nurse who did that, who did this, I'm assuming is like, my man. Mm, well, they've never found out who it was. Well, yeah, because someone's like, I'm never going to deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, oh, my God, I'm so excited. Okay, all right. How so. does this happen? <clears throat> this is why, oh, I can't help but reference television, Michael Scott says in the office, when your baby comes out, immediately mark it with a marker. They do that now. Yes. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. You know what? You, straight away. That's mine. Yep. Because they mix babies up. It's actually quite common. It, yeah, surprisingly. Yes. Yeah. Um, my mum said when she was in the hospital having me, the woman that she was in the ward with, yeah. in the middle of the night, they brought her a baby for a nighttime okay. feeding. She turned the light on and went, this is not my baby. <sighs> yeah. Because they mixed dad, up the wristbands. My dad never believed Rhiannon was his daughter because she was too beautiful. Oh. Didn't say that about me. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's a different kind of story. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, um, mum put the wristbands on my feet when I was a baby because they didn't fall off there and it kept falling off my wrist. White shoot says it. Mm. Marker, straight away. Lion somewhere. Genius. Genius. Simple solution to, um, yeah, a surprisingly common problem. All right, so on December 22nd, 1988, in a very poor rural part of Mm -hmm. Colombia, a woman named Anna went into labour very unexpectedly. She was only seven months pregnant, 28 Mm -hmm. weeks. Um, So this was a problem and caught her by surprise. And a big problem for her was the fact that she was going to have to hike six 
hours to get to the nearest hospital. What? Knowing that she was about to give birth. Sorry, where did you say she was? Colombia. Where? In the middle of top of South America. <gasps> right. Yeah. Right, right, right. I thought you meant the Super district of area. Columbia. I was like. <laughs> the country Washington, Columbia. Washington, D.C.? No. Oh, okay. The country Columbia. So she mm-hmm. had to hike how many miles? Six hours. Oh, hours. Yes. Oh, my God. While she was having What did it just come out? Well, that's what she was scared of the entire time. And knowing that they were coming so prematurely, she was really, really yeah. stressed. Um, Where's her husband? Get her on a carrier. He was going with her, but there were no roads. Like, that's how remote <gasps> the area was that they lived. Um, she made it to the hospital. Obviously, wasn't easy, but mm. she gave birth to mm. a set of identical twins immediately after she arrived at the hospital. And everything was safe, but there were a few complications for her, so she had to stay in intensive care. And then because the twins were in such a delicate state, being Mm -hmm. premature, um, they had to be sent to Bogota, the capital of Colombia, so that they could go to a more sophisticated hospital called Materno Infantil. And that's about 250 Mm kilometres away. Um. And meanwhile, as all of that Mm. was happening in that same hospital in Bogota, Materno Infantil, another woman was recovering from giving birth to her own set of identical twin boys, Mm -hmm. also coincidentally 10 weeks early. Mm -hmm. And both sets of those premature twins were in the same nursery for the space of a few days. Yeah. Um, And... No one knows how, but in that time where they were in that same nursery, one boy from each yeah. set was switched over. Switched over. With the other. Yes. I told you, I already know how. It's the woman who held up the sign at the Tour de France. <laughs> she was a nurse back then. She did the same thing and she's kept quiet ever since. She just keeps repeating her mistakes. Yeah. Guaranteed. They've never found out who or what or how it happened, but there is some nurse who knows. I did that. Yeah, and I would love for that nurse to come forward one day. You never, you couldn't, not now. Maybe at the time, like, not now, no. Anyway. Now that it's had a happy ending, maybe she'd feel comfortable or he would feel comfortable and admitting. There is someone out there who has been holding on to this secret since 1988 that they know that they did it. Yeah. Or I bet maybe they suspect it. Maybe they went home that night and you know when you're just falling asleep and you remember something you've forgotten? Mm. I bet this nurse went home, was just falling asleep and was like, did I put that baby down in the wrong with the wrong twin? And then she was like, no, probably not. And then just didn't think anything of it. And then years later... <laughs> She would know. Oh, my God, I'm obsessed with this story already. Because this did end up becoming a very big news story once they figured it out. So I have no doubt that whoever's responsible is aware that they played at least some small part. So in the nursery, they somehow get switched. And their best guess right now, they've all just sort of accepted it was an innocent mistake. Mm. Wristbands fell off. They All All four of them just look like squidges. And because they were so premature as well, they're quite featureless. They all look like ugly aliens, wrinkly aliens. And plus, it was only a couple of days before Christmas. That's they say that the worst time to mm-hmm. be in hospital, the when the most mistakes happen is around Christmas because it's A, a skeleton staff, like the least amount of staff possible, and B, all the most junior staff mm-hmm. who have to do the shitty shifts. So if you need an operation, if you're in an accident, you don't want it to be right around Christmas. Yeah. People's minds are in other 
places. Yeah. Yeah. And when they got swapped, it was probably the 24th, 25th even of December. Um, So we assume it was an accident, but I do just love the thought that someone went and saw Big Business because that came out in June (laughs) of 1988 and then this switcheroo happened in December of 1988. Just very briefly just describe Big Business. Okay. So the whole plot of Big Business is that two sets of twins are born in the one hospital, mm. there's a mix-up. Mm-hmm. They go on to live their lives. One of them is played by Lily Tomlin in each pair. One of them is played by Bette Midler mm-hmm. in each pair. One pair grows up in the country. One pair grows up in the city. Then once they're in their late 20s, they cross and paths And the twins are always like, why are we so different? It's so strange. We're such an odd couple. It doesn't make sense. But, I mean, genetically we're twins. <laughs> or are they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just love the thought that someone really enjoyed that movie so much that they wanted to make it happen in real life. They saw their opportunity and they went for it. And I will say, although I don't often uh, reward men for stealing the ideas of women, but Twins is also a great film with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, two extremes of human physicality Mm. as twins. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I forgot about that movie. Best movie of all time. (laughs) It's basically big business, but with Danny DeVito and um, yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay, they get switched, and it might have been a nurse who was trying to make her own big business, mm-hmm. but we'll never know. We'll never know unless one day she decides to come forward. Anyway, when it was time for them to go home, one of the boys who was born in the city was sent to the country, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Each set was raised as a pair of fraternal twins. Were the city kids rich? They weren't rich. So I was going to say, if you were meant to be born to the rich parents and then you got sent back to the poor parents who had to hike through the jungle. Mm. But then, oh, see, but what if the rich parents were dicks and the poor parents were lovely? Well, we're going to hear about their experiences. I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead. I'm so excited by this. You are foreshadowing this. But, um, yes, there was a little bit of tension around (gasps) you got the life that I was supposed to have. Oh, yeah. And a sense of guilt of, oh, I got the life that you were meant to have. Yeah. Yeah, okay. But they just had no idea that anything was wrong. At first, all they could feel was relief that the boys were okay and the mothers were yeah. okay. It was kind of touch and go because they were born so early. And they made it to the age of 25 before they realised So it was only recently was they realised then. Because yeah. what would that, I'm trying to think, when was I 25? God, a long time ago. <laughs> Ten years ago. It was around 2014, 2015 that they found each other. Yes. I can't believe I haven't heard of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Okay. Okay, go. Sorry. It should have been a bigger story when it broke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So each of the sets of boys being raised as fraternal twins had quite a different upbringing. The ones that were raised in Bogota, their names were Carlos and Jorge. Mm -hmm. Their lifestyle was comfortable but modest. Mm -hmm. They lived in one room with their older sister and their mother. She worked as a housekeeper and she just devoted the small amount of money she was making to making sure that the kids had the best life they could. Uh, Pretty much absentee father. They stayed married, but he sort of came and went. Um, They had a TV. They had Mm -hmm. a fridge. That was kind of luxurious. That's all you need in life. Mm -hmm. Sounds good to me. And they got a good education that ultimately led to them going to university and then getting decent corporate jobs. Carlos became an accountant Mm -hmm. and Jorge became an engineer. So they did get certain advantages in life, whereas the boys who were raised in the country, Mm -hmm. their names were William and Wilbur, very different experience. They were dirt poor. They lived on a sugarcane farm in this tiny wooden shack Mm -hmm. with their parents and four other siblings 
no electricity, no running water. When they were going to primary school, they had to walk an hour each way every day. And then when they turned 11, their parents really didn't have a choice but to pull them out of school Mm. altogether because they needed them to work on the farm. So they spent their teen years were spent harvesting sugarcane while they could have been at high school. I'm fascinated by this because, like, as you know, in my childhood I was in the foster system, like I was raised, I I lived with lots of different families, people, family members, whatever. Mm. And, you know, I lived with some foster parents who on paper were like the best you could get, super wealthy, big massive mansion, beautiful weekend home, sons went to the best schools and they were abusive. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And then there were other places we lived that weren't so great where we felt happy and okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm listening to this going, yeah, well, they had to march through the sugar cane, but tell me what their parents were like. I want to hear what their... They did have a very loving family yeah, in see, both circumstances. Very important. That's good. Yes. Yeah. Um, but especially later in life, they did feel like it was a real shame that they didn't get the chance to Oh, yeah, there's educated. no doubt that the privileges the city boys got were a leap ahead. But mm. imagine the tragedy if one of the families had been particularly, like, awful. Mm. Like, in the Three Perfect Strangers documentary with those three triplets, the one of the triplets who eventually went on to sadly take his own life had been raised by the parents who were the most mm. sort of absent emotionally mm. and a little bit abusive, mm. like, as a when he was growing up. And he's the one who ended up, like the worst off mm. of the three of them. Yeah. You know, like it's just so nurture I think is most of it. Yeah. One of the things that I find really messed up about this is if you don't have an education, you have to do extra long national service in the army in Colombia. Mm-hmm. So the but fact that's, But that's not fair. Right? Yeah. That makes that's a sub, that's uh what do you call it? Conscription for poor people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, get it. So if you have an education, you can do just six to 12 months of national service. If you don't have an education, it's a minimum of two years. <gasps> and then you do not have a possibility to become an officer from there, which <gasps> William and Wilbur tried to do. They thought, okay, at least if we join the army, then we've got the opportunity to join the officer program. They, One of them even successfully got a scholarship and then they found out that he hadn't gone to high school and so There's that literally opportunity was taken away. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so not getting an education, while not getting the best education here is certainly mm. a terrible thing. In Colombia, it sounds like it's it completely changes the trajectory of it your life. You in, it traps you for the rest of your you. life. Yeah. So it's a big deal there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I understand. It really is. Oh, my gosh. Also, just some of the other difficulties they had to grow up with. One of their older brothers actually died in combat when mm. he was doing his military service. And also, a life of physical labour from when you're a child, that's mm. going to take a toll. Oh, like, yeah. All Hugely. of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, another brother died of a gun accident because oh. on the farm they had a whole bunch of guns and yeah. he had some sort of mishap there. So they were really keen to get out of the town that they had grown and up Wilbur. in. William and Wilbur. Yeah. And the only way that they could see to do that is to become a butcher. So William organised to do an apprenticeship to become a butcher. Wilbur did the same thing. Yeah. And they moved to Bogota and got jobs at this little meat shop there. 
that's how they finally entered each other's orbit. Oh my god! Tell me how! Oh my god! So how, 2011, how, how well, they, they were living out? in the same city, but Bogota <gasps> yeah. has a population of 10 million big, people. Yeah. So it took two years. Finally, in 2013, yeah. two women named Laura and Janet went into William's meat shop to yeah. buy some ribs to take to a barbecue they were going to that afternoon. Janet was friends with William and she mm-hmm. knew he'd give her a pretty generous discount, so they went out of their way oh, to go there. Find a dude who gives you a discount on meat. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, they walked in the door and stood in the queue and Laura looked up and immediately recognised the butcher. Okay, so this was my question. They got switched. Mm-hmm. William and Wilbur think they're twins. Jorge and Carlos, Carlos think they're twins. Mm-hmm. But are the... Ones who got switched, are they identical? Yes. There's the rub. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there's, that's so crazy. Okay, mm-hmm. keep going. And Laura, when she spotted this guy she knew standing behind the counter, just as a reflex, she smiled and waved really enthusiastically yeah. at him and he just sort of looked Which one confused. was it? This is William that she's okay. looking at. yeah. Um, he smiled back at her awkwardly and then kept serving customers. Yeah. And Laura turned to Janet and said, this is really weird. I, I work with that guy. That's Jorge. He's an engineer in my <gasps> office. I why have no idea why he's working behind the counter here. This is so strange. And Janet was like, him? That's that's William. That's who we're here to see. He's the one who's going to give us the discount. And Laura was like, no, no, I've worked with Jorge for a long time. Oh that's Jorge. Oh and she sort of rationalised to herself, okay, maybe he's in financial trouble and he's moonlighting as a butcher on weekends. Them a yeah, because yeah. he's too proud and he's embarrassed. They got to the front of the line. He came out from behind the counter and hugged Janet and introduced himself to Laura. And she was like, I feel like you're gaslighting me. Oh my and I should probably play along with it, but I just can't. And she just blurted out, oh, my God, you look so much like this guy Jorge that I work with. This is uncanny. Yeah. She got out a picture of Jorge on her phone oh, to show obviously him. Obviously, we had Yeah, we friends. had smartphones I, yeah. then. And he just laughed about it. Yeah. And Janet laughed about it as well. And they were like, ha, 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 what a coincidence. They took their ribs, went off to their barbecue. Are they identical? Like, yes. exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want me to pull up some photos? Yeah, I really want to see because I want to see what Laura was looking at. Like, how it would it be like if I went downstairs right now and saw your twin and thought it was you? Okay. But unless they'd been in far north Queensland for six months, they wouldn't be that brown. But the differences between them are so subtle. Yeah. Um, small difference in height because the twins who grew up in the city had a more balanced diet than the right. ones who grew up in the country. Yeah. Um, so the city twins are taller and the twins who grow up in the country have darker skin. From being out in the sun all yeah. the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <gasps> but they're still... I mean, Layla and Lael are... I cannot tell them apart. Um Rhiannon has them in different earrings, which helps. But um, but there are subtle differences when you look mm. hard enough. For example, Lael's the alpha. I find that fascinating yeah. what led her to then take that know. dominant stance. Because they are rough and tumble kids with Muhammad and Aya and Layla and Lael. you got to fight to just get whatever, anything in that house. Mm. you got to be tough. Okay, let me see. <gasps> They're identical. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. How could he have ever thought he was his twin? hmm I mean, you can see how they got away with 
they just weren't identical twins, mm. they thought. Mm. But when they're sitting next to their identical twin, mm-hmm. <gasps> what a mind F. So, yeah, the two on the right there, that is William and Jorge. Yeah. She worked with Jorge. She spots William behind the butcher's and counter. You can are, understand. They, in this picture, they've got slightly different hair. Mm. That is literally the only... Like, the only way you can tell them apart is they're wearing different clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if they were wearing the same outfit, I'd be like, uh, uh, yep. his hair's a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. All right, so let's see how this unfolds okay, yes. from here. Tell me more, tell me more. Everyone, look that up. They're identical. We'll post it on our Instagram, yeah. obviously. Um, they went off and enjoyed their barbecue. Yeah. But then first thing Monday morning, Laura went straight up to Jorge when yeah. he got to the office and was like, dude... So bizarre, I met your twin this weekend. And he was like, oh, you met Carlos, where? And she was like, Mm. no, (laughs) this guy said his name was William. He was working in a butcher's shop and Jorge was like, oh, my twin's name is Carlos. And that's Mm. weird that you even recognised him because we don't look very much alike at all. Yeah, because the other two don't look that alike. Yeah, he was like, people rarely believe that we're brothers, let alone twins. So that's surprising that you recognised him. And Laura was like okay, now I really feel like I'm being gaslit. And she just dropped it from that point. She didn't bring it up again because it was all just too much and she felt like her head was going to explode. So six months went by before this circled back again. Um, Janet got a job where Jorge and Laura worked, which meant that for the first time, Janet, yep, in the engineering firm, she got to lay eyeballs on Jorge for herself. And straight away she was like, oh, wow. You were right. Yes. Yes. They really are absolutely identical. Oh, my God. It is lucky that those two are identical because mm. if they weren't, no one would ever have known. Mm-mm. Yep. Yeah. They wouldn't have had a clue. Yeah. And as you'll see, this story has a very happy ending. So it's yeah. very positive that they did find each other. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, organ donation. Oh, my God. No, I'm not. <laughs> Like, did one need a kidney? It probably oh, will okay. come to that. Okay, at some let's, point. Keep, let's yeah. keep going. Okay. Um, she wanted to mention something to him, but because Jorge was quite senior and she was mm-hmm. really junior, there was just never an appropriate moment where she felt like she'd be comfortable approaching him and saying, I'm friends with this guy called William and he is your exact yeah. duplicate. May I show you a photo? At one point, she did show a photo of Jorge to William, but mm. just like that first time in the butcher's shop, he just sort of chuckled about it and went, Oh, what a funny coincidence. And moved on. I'm sorry, but how can you look at a photo of that person? Like, it's you. Yes. It's you. When it's one photo, I guess it's less compelling than what's to come when they start seeing galleries. I've never seen, I mean, my mum was adopted and so we grew up only really knowing mostly our mum's adopted family and then we found her birth family, but my sister looks like all of them. I don't. I Mm. only look like my dad's family who we weren't really in touch with for a long time. So it wasn't until I was older and I started spending time with my dad's family that I saw people in photos that looked like me. Mm. And it blew my mind because my sister Rihanna and I looked nothing alike. And so it was the first time in my life I had seen family members who looked something like me and immediately I was like, the sensation of looking at photos of people who look similar or extremely similar to you is... Mm weird. Mm. So I find it, and that's not even my twin, just family members. Like, I find it strange that he was able to look at that guy who you just showed me, they are indistinguishable Mm -hmm. 
he would look at that and not be blown away mm. by looking at that. He would think it was a photo of him. Like, you go, that's a photo of me. Yeah. In this case, he just sort of laughed it off and rejected it. And I feel like maybe he knew something deep down inside that he wasn't ready to yeah, acknowledge do it yet. yet. Yeah. yeah. Because he, William, he was one of the twins that was switched, mm-hmm. which meant that if this were true, then he was brought up in the wrong family. And so there may have just been some sort of subconscious denial that he didn't want to believe. I am so fascinated by this. Like, did the one, because you, as you know, I've got a TV show in development mm. um, that's coming to Stan and it's it's all about this kind of nature versus nurture stuff mm. and about my mum's adopted family and um, I'm so interested in whether or not he always had a sense that he didn't belong. Mm. Did he always have a sense that he was in the wrong family? Did he always feel like something was missing? You know how twins say that when mm-hmm. twins get separated? Mm. I always knew part of me wasn't there. Like there's something that pulls you to your genealogical relatives yep. that doesn't to other, like, mm-hmm. I'm fascinated. Both he and Carlos, yes, they were kind of the black sheep in their family. There they you go. Had, they looked different. And they had quite different temperaments and they had quite different interests to the rest of the family. This is where the nature versus nurture, like were they different because they just were different Mm. or were they black sheep because of their nature or was it just nurture that made them black sheep and Wait till we all get together and the twins are matched up and we'll find out, yeah. (laughs) But still, it took another six months Janet moved on to another company and she just tried to forget about the whole situation. Mm. But every time she hung out with her friend William, that need to know the truth would just sort of bubble bubble up inside her. And then finally one day in September 2014. I'm sorry, did did they ever tell William? They tried. They showed William the photos of Jorge. He laughed it off. So they both laughed it off. Jorge hasn't seen any photos yet. No, wait, I'm asking the butcher one. Yeah, William. He's seen photos twice and laughed it off. But then the guy at the engineering firm hasn't, he hasn't seen, seen any anything. photos yet. Got it, got it, following, following. He's just had his okay. colleague come up to him and say, I met your twin. And he was like, mm, mm, don't no, you think didn't. you did. Yeah, okay, mm. gotcha. Um, so we're now one year after that first encounter at mm-hmm. the butcher shop, September 2014. Janet, Janet was bored at work and she texted Laura and said, I'm going to send you some photos of William. Please, if you're in the office go down the hall and show them to him as soon as you can. And Laura happily did that because this whole situation had sort of niggled at her every yeah, now and then Yeah, she'd been gaslit well. and she wanted to, yeah. yeah. So she went straight to Jorge's office and showed him the photos that Janet had sent through and he nearly fell off his chair. There's the reaction you want. Right? Yes. Yeah, he that, screamed. That is me. Yeah. Yes. What we would do, yeah. a rational person yes, is likely that, to scream fuck off oh my god that is me that's, that's what, what he thought like when i saw photos of my grandma on mm. my dad's side i was so because she's like my twin i was so spun out mm. i'd never seen myself in another person mm. and so to see to actually see your identical twin in a photo that you didn't like how that's the reaction i expect yep mm-hmm. fall over scream what is this? Is that me? He grabbed her phone, started running around the office, exactly. showing the yes. photo to everyone. <laughs> yes. 
I'm getting the same reaction from everyone, which was like, why are you showing me a photo of you? You look great. Yeah. And that was just blowing his mind. So Mm -hmm. then he and Laura went and sat down on the computer and found Mm -hmm. William on Facebook so they could start scrolling through Mm -hmm. pictures. And while they were doing that, Jorge's best theory was, okay, my dad has had an affair with another woman. That's resulted in a son who just happens to look exactly like me. That was his best working theory. Some siblings do look that similar. yeah. Yeah. But then while he was flicking through an album, he got to a picture of William sitting next to someone who looked identical to Carlos, the man that Jorge thought was his own identical twin. Mm. So this is a picture of William and Wilbur, and it was just a reflection so of Jorge scrolling through and Carlos. All these pictures that look exact of a person that looks exactly like him, and then in one of the pictures, there's someone who looks exactly like his like twin his brother. Twin. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that was the moment when the penny dropped and that made Jorge the first of the four boys to realise that their life was a soap opera plot. What did he do next? Oh, my God. Well, he knew he had to tell Carlos, but he was really nervous too because it it was obvious to him that Carlos was the twin that had been switched. I was going to say, so Carlos is the one who had been switched. Because Carlos had been the black sheep in the family growing up, totally Mm -hmm. different from his mum and his sister, very different from Jorge as well. And so Jorge knew that by telling Carlos this, he was essentially telling him, you grew up in the wrong family. And Mm. also that niggling sense that you're out of place. You You were were right. right all those years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he knew he had to tell him the truth, and so he sort of worked and up to it. He's an accountant, her. right? He's off somewhere. Carlos is an accountant. accountant. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he sort of eased into it by showing Carlos the photos of William, so that Carlos could start by laughing at how much William looked like mm. Jorge. So he was sort of cackling and screaming at how ridiculous. Did they film this it? Oh, was. people didn't think to film things in 2013, did they? No, oh, it wasn't such it. a big part of life. No. Make it TikTok content. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. Um, And then Jorge swiped across to the picture of William's brother, Wilbur, and Carlos saw his own doppelganger. Yeah. And he stopped laughing and just recoiled in horror. (gasps) He didn't find that funny at all. His immediate response was confusion expressed as fury. And Jorge. It's like like you're in a science fiction movie. Mm hmm. Jorge tried to calm him down, tried to reassure him they would always be brothers. No matter what. So Carlos understood what it meant Straight away. Yeah, of course. The minute that he saw the photo of the two guys and together. From, and also a lifetime of feeling like something was up. Yep. Um, and Jorge tried to sort of explain, look, this is what I found out from Janet and Laura, information that they've got about William, and Carlos didn't want to hear any of it. He just went into really deep shock, yep. said he didn't want to hear anything about these people ever again. Um said he was just going to go to bed and was never going to talk about the matter ever again, just Mm. shut down completely, which I don't think that's really surprising, like to reject information that's that shocking straight away. I mean, I find that more of an understandable response than just laughing it off twice Mm. (laughs) like the other guy did. Like it's, I, I mean, I just think you cannot underestimate it's just so crazy that you're telling me this story right when I'm in the middle of writing mm. this show that's all about nature versus nurture. And you cannot underestimate the feeling that comes from something deep inside of you making you feel like you don't belong. Yeah. 
And that's why I find adoption such an interesting thing that an interesting thing to kind of explore the downsides of because mm. people always talk, you know, adoption is is a brilliant thing. There are children who aren't wanted and then other people take them in. But, mm. I mean, as is the case with my mother, so much of my mother's mental health issues in her life came from the fact she was adopted, um, not because her new family was awful. She was adopted into an incredibly privileged, loving family, but just her entire life she had a sense that she had been rejected, wasn't mm. in the right place, was with the wrong people. She just had – my mother had this feeling inside of her that she was not with her family. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's something that people underestimate. Yeah. It ended up for Carlos becoming something that he was really proud of. Okay, That good. he felt like a real individual. Mm. He – quite liked the fact that he was so different from his immediate family members, who he adored, mm. absolutely worshipped his mother, um, but he did like the fact that he had very different interests mm -hmm. and he was able to sort of stand apart as a total individual. But he certainly noticed it. Oh, and yeah. that's why as soon as he, at the second he saw the picture, he knew. Yeah, it all started to make sense. Yeah. But he was horrified at the thought that he was sort of replicable. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. As someone who felt like such an individual, he thought he was the reason that he was unique, not a switcheroo uh, right. being the reason yeah. that he was unique. Yeah. That would mess with your head too. God, this is like, I know you picked this as a fun one, but it's like big existential themes. <laughs> this is all, I feel like we should be stoned doing this. Like, <laughs> this is like big questions and themes and theories and, and yeah. thoughts. Yeah. This is Big stuff. And it's like a lot to do with privilege as well because straight yeah. away he realised, oh, my God, they're from Santander. He knew that that is a very poor area of oh, Colombia. Oh, so straight away. He was, I would have grown up in abject poverty had this switch not yeah. happened. I'm incredibly lucky, but I took someone else's place. So it was all very overwhelming for him and he wanted to hide from the information, but you can't unlearn something like this. You can't put the toothpaste in the tube. So yeah. he came to terms with the fact that there was no hiding from this. The wheels were in motion. And the very next day, Laura and Jorge reported back to Janet. And Janet, by the way, was totally vindicated. Like, I knew it. I knew something was going I knew on. It. Vindication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she texted William and told him, all right, Laura showed that Jorge guy at her work who looks like you some pictures of you and Wilbur and there's more to the story. You need to see this. The butchers and, boys are about to yep. get it. So this is when William for the first time saw photos of Jorge with Carlos mm, and it was him and his that. twin brother's reflection. Yeah. And he was gobsmacked, obviously, um, and he could – identify what had happened, but he just couldn't imagine how they'd ever been switched because as far as he knew, they'd been born and had grown up hundreds of kilometres away from mm. Carlos and Jorge and had never come to Bogota. And so Janet was like, well, maybe ask your family some questions. So he got in touch with an aunt and that's when he found out about the situation that led you to You needed specialist care, yeah. so you had to go to that hospital that was far away. That's right. And so then the nurse, who later went on to cause the greatest crash in Tour de France history. <laughs> We've got to get her Switched name. You. I don't, yeah, I don't know. She's just the lady who caused the greatest crash in Tour de France history. 
<laughs> we'll call her Eris. That's the goddess of chaos in ah, Greek mythology. Um, yeah, so, I mean, at first this sort of felt for everyone like it was a bit of a fun game trying to solve this bizarre mystery. Yeah. But then, like, for each of them as the gravity sort of hit them, it was yeah. really heavy. And William broke down because he knew straight away that he was the twin that had been switched because he'd been the black sheep his entire life and he hadn't quite fit in his family and, and in he his could have grown community. up in the city and not in the yeah you know poverty out in the thing yeah, yeah. wow could have gone to uni he could have a corporate job like these guys um, yeah. that he was now And what makes it heartbreaking with. is he he want, they tried right yep. they were in the army and they tried mm-hmm. but they weren't allowed and it was impossible oh. yeah um, and he was the only one in his family who knew. So he was in that position where he could have kept the information to mm. himself and he was tempted to mostly because he was his mother's favourite. Even though he wasn't her biological son, mm-hmm. he was obviously, they all knew he was the favourite. So it was going to break his heart and her heart to tell her that mm. he wasn't really hers and obviously very difficult to tell Wilbur as yeah. well that he had an identical stranger out there that he was about to meet. So he sort of wallowed in grief and fear for a while before he snapped himself out of it and started psyching himself up to go and show Wilbur the photos later that day. And when he started to, he sort of did this big dramatic build-up about this huge reveal that he had to share with Wilbur. Yeah. And then when he showed the photos to Wilbur, Wilbur was just sort of nonplussed about <laughs> it. He was well, like... another reaction. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, okay, so we were switched at birth. whoop de whoop yeah. These guys are strangers. I don't care about them. You're my brother. You're always going to be my brother. So Nothing's going to change. fascinating because... My mum's adoptive brother is just like that. Mm. So my mum was adopted, as were her two brothers, all from different families, and it was never kept a secret. Like, they raised them knowing that they were adopted. Mm -hmm. My mum and her younger brother were always desperate to find their birth families. Mm -hmm. My um, uncle, my mum's older brother, who um, took custody of me when I was um, 15, he, whenever you ask him about it, like, do do you, are you interested in finding your parents? He goes, I have parents. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to find your family? I have a family. Mm. He just, it never, he wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. He just said, I have a family. I have parents. Mm-hmm. And he just didn't, that, that was enough for him. Yep. Which is another reaction. Yeah. Everybody handles it differently, yeah. I guess. And it is really interesting that you've got Carlos and Wilbur. Yeah. who are identical twins, separated at birth. They had the same reaction. I don't want to know anymore. I never yeah. want to meet these people. I don't want to talk about it ever again. Both of them just sort of shut down. Yes. Kind of for different reasons. Wilbur, because he was very comfortable with the life that he was living and mm. he didn't need any change or chaos, which I guess Carlos was as well. But Carlos then had that extra layer of I was yeah. pulled out of my real family and put into the wrong family. But, yeah, they both had the I don't want to know anymore. And the ability to do that, which could be genetic. Mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the other two. William and Jorge, the identical pair, they were so curious. They needed to know more. So straight away they were See? like, Laura, Janet, we've got to get and together. Is that genetics? Is their curiosity, it has to be genetic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they just wanted to meet as mm-hmm. soon as they could. They set a date. Mm. William was really nervous. He'd obviously watched a lot of telenovelas because mm-hmm. he genuinely thought that maybe Jorge and Carlos could be the evil twins. <laughs> and so, Like Lael. <laughs> <laughs> mm, creepy wave. 
Um, so he pleaded with Wilbur to please, please come with him for mm-hmm. moral support and he was reluctant but he agreed. And then William rang Jorge and said, look, Wilbur's coming, you should bring Carlos as well if you can. Um, and Jorge tried but Carlos was like, I'm not interested and yeah. I've got a date yeah. that night anyway, <laughs> so no, I, I won't be coming. I, I'm predisposed. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got a prior engagement. <laughs> yeah. He really just stayed in denial no, as long as he you. could. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, All reactions are valid in this situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you asked about filming. So this has yes, been recorded. Yes, okay, I was going to say, yeah. is this, the media had to have entered the picture at this point. Or no media someone, yet. Or someone with a camera. Yes, Janet recorded the whole thing on her Janet, phone. Janet, because she's like, vindication. Mm-hmm. I told you, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so love Janet. We'll put the link to this on YouTube. So this is Jorge and William meeting each other. By pure coincidence, they had both just had the exact same haircut, so oh they look their spiffiest oh for the meeting. Are these the two that are identical? They're identical, yeah. yeah. And it is exactly like a scene from, like, The Parent Trap or Big Business, one of those twins separated mm. at birth type movies where they've got that meeting moment and you can see the fear and shock turn into wonder like on their faces while they're... looking in a mirror, but it's a human being. And they turn their heads to the side at the same time and then they reach out and touch the other one and then touch themselves. It's amazing to watch. But then you can see how instantly like, they become gorgeous. really comfortable with well, each other. Well, like in Three Identical Strangers, they mm. had that. They looked at each other, they burst out laughing and they immediately started wrestling. Yeah. Like uh, hug, play wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like they just wanted to, I mean, that's how men excuse touch <laughs> so like they immediately just started wrestling yeah. and and touching and 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 embracing each other yeah yeah um and Jorge and Wilbur just uh, sorry Jorge and William just instantly got along perfectly and they were bouncing off each other they had the yeah. same personality both really light-hearted and just joyous mm. and Wilbur was watching this for about an hour and he was like okay I want to meet my twin now please okay. can we please go and meet Carlos so Jorge rang Carlos. Oh, okay. No, no, tell me, tell me, tell me. Go, go, go. And said, if you're going to be home in about 30 minutes, I'm going to bring everyone over. And Carlos was like, please, no, don't. Mm. Eventually he said, okay, yes, fine, I'll be home. They arrived. They knocked on the door. Carlos went to open it and he heard his own giggle coming mm. from the other side of the door, freaked out completely and said, no, no, I've changed my mind. I can't do it. I'm too scared. I'm too scared. I'm not ready. And Jorge just sort of rolled That's his scared. eyes, used his own <gasps> key. And just forced his way in. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's what Lael would do to Layla. Yeah. And I would love to have seen this one be filmed. But they but didn't, they didn't catch this one. But like, it sounds like he couldn't have handled that. Yeah. Apparently it was just mirror image again. <sighs> covering their faces, pulling their hands down, screaming, yeah. covering their faces again, turning away from each other, laughing and shaking their heads in confusion, just mirror image of each other yeah. until everyone calmed down and they went inside, sat down and got to know each other a little bit. And it struck everyone who was in that room, the four boys and the three friends who were with them, how similar each man was to his identical Mannerisms. twin. Yes. Um, Jorge and William walked the same way and stood the same way with splayed mm. feet and Carlos and Wilbur sat in their chairs the exact same way and scratched their faces the same way. Do you want to hear something way? weird? When my mum found her birth family, her birth parents in particular, um, my 
my birth grandmother, my biological grandmother, mm. my mother and me all have identical handwriting. Oh, wow. How? How? That's weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. My mum couldn't have learned it from her. No. Like how? How? That is nuts. I know. Oh. Just weird things like that. Yeah. Weird um, genetic things that you don't expect. Yes. Mannerisms. It's weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of this sort of predisposition type yeah. stuff we are learning from twin studies as they get more and more oh, advanced. Yeah. yeah. To get to understand what is genetic and what is I get Rhiannon getting those twins experimented on ASAP. <laughs> and get some money for it. They oh, pay. Yeah, they pay for it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, their voices were the same, just mm. with different accents, city versus country. And Wilbur still had the speech impediment that Carlos got rid of mm. when he was a kid because he could From go speech to speech pathology. therapy. Yes. <gasps> mm. Stop it. Yeah. But the most striking thing was how similar their personalities were. And the best way to mm. describe this, I've found discussing this with friends, is to compare them to Bert and Ernie. Mm. So Jorge and William, they're like two Ernies. <laughs> and Carlos and Wilbur, they're Bert's. Yeah. So the oh. Ernies, these are the ones that were born in the city and both I of them should Caleb. have been raised in the city. Yes, very much. <laughs> So you're an Ernie, fun-loving yeah. and playful, extroverted, love being silly and just playing tricks yeah. and making jokes, whereas the Berts, who are the ones from the country, Calebs. the Calebs, very serious, mm-hmm. very sensible, very pragmatic, mm. um, quite sensitive to the point of being touchy mm-hmm. and very easily annoyed and frustrated by mm-hmm. the Ernies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when they were in their fraternal pairings, that was the exact dynamic, that they had a Bert and an Ernie, and the Bert always getting annoyed at the Ernie, and the Ernie always sort of poking at the Bert. Yeah. But then maybe that's how would two Berts go together and two Ernies go together? Like maybe that made them better, more well-rounded people. Yeah, and they loved that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And I also just have to point something out here that I thought was fascinating and relevant. So the Ernies were born on the 21st of December, which makes them Sagittarians. And Sagittarians are... Here we go. (laughs) I knew you were going to roll your eyes. Sagittarians are gregarious and they're extroverted and they're Mm. friendly and they take risks and they're curious and Mm. they love laughing, whereas the Burt's born the next day, the 22nd of December, they were Capricorns. And Capricorns can be quite austere and they're very disciplined and very practical. But you're trusting the date of their birth on the hospital that switched <laughs> babies. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm still giving a point to the astrological community right. on that one. Um But, yeah, it also helped them understand why they felt out of place in their families because Carlos was a Bert in a family of Ernie's Mm. and William was an Ernie in a family of Bert's because all the other family members shared that similar personality um, combination. Yeah. And anyway, this was all sort of fun and novel for them to explore and chat about and have a laugh about for a few hours, but then it was time for William and Wilbur to go home and at that point, because each fraternal set lived together, they sort of had to go home that night. What? And acknowledge, okay. Hey, we're not related. Yeah, we're not really brothers, but they committed we will be brothers for the rest of our lives and they committed nothing was going to change. 
they, all four of them, started spending a lot of time together over the next few months. Mm. They got to know each other's families and mostly things were going well for the first few months until Carlos started to sort of retreat from them all Mm because he was finding it all to be a bit difficult. Um, Like I said, he'd spent his whole life feeling really proud of being an individual and then there's Wilbur who's his carbon copy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And... He also really thought of himself as a city boy, really cosmopolitan and trendy, mm. and to know that he was only ever in the city because of a fuck-up in a hospital. But that's where you live, isn't That's like genetically I'm a country boy. That's silly. Like isn't location, that's that's nurture. That's the nurture part of the equation. And that is where the nurture he should have had. So oh, he's looking at says, Wilbur and going, oh, you're a bit of a country bumpkin and that would have been me if oh, I hadn't okay. been switched at yeah. birth. Yeah. He sort of struggled with that. And also he just could not get comfortable with the thought that he wouldn't be an accountant if they hadn't been switched yeah, at birth. Yeah, he would never have been an accountant. And so he was quite vocal saying that he still would have found a way to get himself an education, to go to uni and to end up working at the exact same law firm. He was adamant about that. And that was really offensive to William. Yeah. Because William was like, like no. I tried everything in my power. Let me explain a little something to you called privilege mm-hmm. and how it works. Yes. Caleb and I have had many a discussion. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, William felt this bit of resentment towards Carlos that it was mm. like, you got the life that I was meant to have and now you're telling me that I could have I made that life myself, for myself. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. It's like, I'm sorry, try doing that when you don't have boots or straps. Yes, exactly. He did not have yeah. the resources. Yeah, he yeah. had no choice about whether or not he was going to be pulled out of school yeah. at 11. And then he didn't have control over his life until he was in his 20s. Mm. And at that point, the best opportunity available to him was becoming a butcher. Yeah. And so he did it. Yeah. And Carlos he ended refused up to in understand the same that. City. That's right. He ended up what? Working in his own business, or mm-hmm. I assume it was their business. I don't know. But he was managing it. Well, yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. So he was doing quite well. Um, so yeah, Carlos sort of wasn't spending time with the rest mm. of them while Jorge was having sleepovers all the time at William oh, and Wilbur's house, okay. leaving Carlos at home alone, which is kind of sad. And then it really was exacerbated when they would go back to Santander, the poor area. All yeah, tell four me about their parents. Do their parents know at this stage? So Jorge and Carlos, their mother was already dead when Wait, are they, they found the city out about ones? this. They're the city ones right, raised yeah. in the city. And then William and Wilbur, who grew up in the country, their parents were still alive. Two of their siblings were still alive. Yeah. And, and their parents embraced Carlos. Mm-hmm. Carlos found it really difficult to connect with them because mm. in his mind, just like your uncle, he was like, I had a great mother yeah. and I don't need I another mother. Yeah, yeah, like you aren't my parents. Yeah. yeah. Eventually he went on to connect with them, but in the early stages, just seeing how visibly uncomfortable he was mm. being in that area and looking around at the poverty that he narrowly avoided. Escaped. Yeah. Um, that sort of held him apart from the rest of them as well. And things could have sort of continued to spiral there, but a couple of things happened that helped to sort of make it better. Firstly, Jorge could see how much Carlos was sort of struggling and suffering. And as a gesture, he went to his favorite tattoo parlor and got a big, ugly portrait of Carlos tattooed on his (laughs) chest next to a portrait of his mother. And underneath it, it says, my sacred family, went home and showed it to Carlos and said, 
now do you believe you will always be my brother? Cousins, yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Carlos said it was the best gift he'd ever received well, in yeah. his life and he tears up anytime he talks about it because mm-hmm. it meant so much to him. The other big thing that was really helpful for them were all the studies they started participating in because... <gasps> Tell me about the studies. So they alerted the media once they'd all sort of yeah. let the dust settle a little bit. It became a big story mm-hmm. and, of course, then... Geneticists, psychologists, mm, anthropologists, yeah. so many people were just dying to study these guys because this has never, ever happened before. Mm. Like twins have been separated, fraternal yeah. and identical. But not That's been switched studied in one with each of the other one. In yeah. such different living circumstances yeah. for 25 years, completely unaware. Yeah, so um, they spent time with a number of scientists doing a number Mm. of different tests and that helped them get to know each other really intimately and get to understand themselves better. So that helped to bond all four of them more than anything, Mm. I think. Um, And so after the first year, they just sort of committed to, all right, we are four quadruplets from now on. And the family just jumped on board with that mindset and said, yep, these are four brothers. They decided they were all going to move in together. Oh, like the... Three identical strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to this day, they're still participating in DNA testing and all sorts of medical tests. And are they still part of each other's lives? Tests. Yeah, Aww. absolutely. And something I think is really beautiful, Carlos um, from 2016 onwards helped William end up in law school. And Aww. then, yeah, Carlos and Wilbur then ran the election campaign when Carlos decided he wanted to run for mayor of La Paz in Saint-Omdère. He didn't win. Oh, but they did it together. Yeah. yeah. So they've all stayed really supportive. As far as I can tell, it's happily ever after. That's so beautiful Bogota. that Carlos did for him what he would have hoped against hope someone would have done for him if he'd been born into That's poverty. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Helped so he kind of lost the dickish. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not lucky. I'm just hardworking. He was like, wait, I am lucky and I'm going to give you the same Help lift leg you up. up. Yeah. 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 Oh. So that is quite beautiful. Um, That's the journey Caleb went through on surviving the breadline. But anyway, okay. <laughs> You'll see. You'll watch. Week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it's, like I said, a really happy ending yeah. and it could have been a tragedy. It's definitely the plot line so of the So all four opera. still alive? Because yes. they wouldn't be. They're our age. Oh, yeah. I'm acting like they're elderly. <laughs> they're our age. Yeah, yeah. So they're all, what, they'd be 33? Oh, my God. This is how well, bad I'm my 35 and they're become. two years younger. Yeah. So they'd be 33. Yep. I assume some of them are married or. Last I heard, one of them had a partner. It sounds like. Can you imagine how lovely they're just going to all get married to whoever they get married to and so, and there's going to be babies and it's just going to be a big family. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, it has all worked out really, really well. Um, and obviously that's just the gist. If you want more information, there's a whole book about this. Um <gasps> One of the scientists who spent the most time yeah, with these guys. Yeah, I wanted guys. to ask, what came from the tests? Is there any, like, we did these tests and here is the wrap-up of the information? The most the interesting thing, I think, yeah. 
is something that had sort of been theorized that these guys kind of then proved. It was a theory that already existed based on studying identical twins that were raised together, fraternal twins raised together, and then identical raised apart and fraternal raised apart. And at the end of the day, you were more likely to share personality traits, a significant amount of personality traits with an identical twin, whether you were raised Mm. in the same home or not. So it seems that personality is determined more by genes than it is by nurture. Because identical twins have identical genes. That's right. So that has to do with Mm -hmm. personality stuff as well. And these guys sort of help to support that that. evidence. Um, It is kind of a misnomer to say identical twins because they do start to differentiate from the second they split and Mm. become their own pair. So, yes, they have the same DNA, but different factors will lead to them, the genes expressing themselves Mm. in different ways. Um, And that can be environmental, diet, all that sort of stuff. And things are – like it's – even from the womb, things aren't the way people think because, I mean, Rhiannon had a very rare situation because they always say, oh, um, if they're in the same sack, they're identical. Mm. And if they're, in se- you've, if they're in separate sacks, that just basically means you've got two separate babies. But Rhiannon had the very rare case where her twins were in separate sacks, but they're still identical, mm. which doesn't happen often. But And because they... Um, when she was doing all the testing when she was pregnant, they were like, no, they're in their own separate sacks. So you're having fraternal. fraternal twins. You're mm. having non-identical twins. But then when they were born, I don't know if you remember a few years ago when they were born and we kept putting photos up of them mm. on social media going, mm. guys, they look like, yeah. like are we crazy? <laughs> yeah. Like, And we were like, maybe when they get a bit older, but then they literally never stopped looking the same. So eventually, when they were about a year old, Rhiannon sent away for a DNA test mm. and found that they were actually identical. Mm-hmm. And when she spoke to the doctors about it, they said, yeah, in rare cases, they can be in different, um, mm-hmm. what do you call it? Sacks. Sacks mm. and still be identical twins. Yeah. So it's just like you can't, there's no way of knowing really. It, so much of it is still <laughs> such a mystery. Yeah. Like they they're trying to answer the question, why can you have two identical twins and one ends up trans or gay and the other doesn't? One ends up autistic and the other doesn't. And is that nature versus nurture? But no, because sexuality isn't nurture, it's nature. So how, Mm. like, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's fascinating. How come Lael's the alpha? Because her genes started expressing in different ways Mm. and, you know, to find out why that's the case would be a great mystery solved. Um, I oh, found- my God, this stuff is so interesting. And like I said, we really need to be high. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> so one of my favourite cases was a story of two identical twin sisters and mm. one of them was getting less blood in the womb than the other. Mm. And so her entire life she has been a miniature version of her sister. They look identical. It's just that she's a slightly shrunken Stop version, it. about 14 centimetres shorter. That's a than lot of sister. centimetres. Yeah. That's half a ruler. Yeah, just because of the lack of nutrition she was getting in the womb. And I bet because the other one was the alpha and was taking it all. <laughs> like I said to Rhiannon, I bet Lael was even the alpha in the womb. Probably. Mm-hmm. It's just like a thing. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So the woman who's done the most um, research into twins and participated in the most twin studies is called Nancy Siegel. Yeah. Um, and she got right on board with these guys mm. and spent a very 
long time with them. The brother, uh, the book that she wrote is called Accidental Brothers. Yeah. The story of twins exchanged at birth and the power of nurture and nature. And this is mm. the thing that she keeps driving home. It's not nature versus nurture. It's and. It's and. It's they and. always yeah. work hand in hand because, Both. yes, you have a gene, but that gene has to be expressed and mm. that gene expression is going to be influenced by external factors. Always. And that's what she's most interested in studying. Mm-hmm. Um, how the two sort of dance together. Um, If you can't be bothered reading that book, there's a long-form article from the New York Times that came out in Mm. 2015 and that sort of chronicles the research that she did with the twins. Um, And that was the um, article that sort of broke this story Mm. globally. Um, And then there's a really good podcast. What's that article called? Oh, it's called um, The Mixed Up Twins of Bogota. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's... Put this all in the show notes. Yes. There's an episode of a podcast I love called Hidden Brain that interviews Nancy about not just these twins... I like Hidden Brain. ...but other twins that she's studied in her career and what we learn from them. So, yeah, that's a really fascinating one. It was so gripping researching this one and there were quite a lot of facts that I didn't want to put in here but maybe we'll save them for the Patreon later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yes. So, yeah, dive in, learn more about these guys. And if only one thing, watch the video of Jorge meeting William. Okay. Yeah. (gasps) That was a really good welcome back. I don't know if you noticed, but I finished the wine while you were talking (laughs) because that was just, like, good. It's gripping stuff. Yay. Mm. I loved that. And I'm back. Yay. Um, You know, schedule as usual from now, Mm -hmm. which, as you know, is always weekly-ish. But it should be weekly because we've missed a few. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so lovely to be back. Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone who sent. I got so many lovely, lovely Mm. messages. Um, When... You're in that position. It's. I decided not to really respond because I just couldn't really be in a headspace where I was trying to focus on responding to social media stuff. Mm-hmm. There was this really lovely person who follows me on Instagram called Siobhan who said, look, uh, I don't expect you to respond, um, but I just want you to know I'm thinking of you and the one thing I can think of to sort of be helpful during this time is to just send you a funny meme every day. Aww. And so every day from Siobhan, I would just get a really funny meme. Aww. Like th- there was just some really lovely people like yeah. that um, who just, you know, I I I read all of it. Yeah. If you sent me a message, I read it. Everybody who got in touch in whatever means, I read it. I just wasn't really in a position to respond. Um, but thank you so much, mm. everyone, for making me feel loved and supported and not cranky that I had to take some time. Thank you for driving the bus, steering the ship. Fuck, it's good to have you back. <laughs> I knew I was going to keep swearing a lot in this episode, Lindsay. Sorry, you're going to have to do a fair bit of beefing, but fuck, I'm glad you're back. It's so good to have you I back. I just don't know what I would do without you, my love. Oh, I love you too. I love you. Mm. Bye. Bye. Listener.